Well, for those of you who were not here last week, what I'm about ready to say will not make any sense to you, but for those of you who were, this is what showed up in my office this week. Uh, literally, and it showed up with this note, this is the only fast car I could find to give you, enjoy it. I guess I should have specified the size of car that I was looking for uh, in my... In, in my, there you go, in my sermon last week. So, but whoever gave that to me, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the final week of the Extreme Ownership Series. Uh, if this is your first time, let me catch you up just real quick on where we've been over the last few weeks. What we've talked about is that according to the writers of Scripture, the moment that we put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins, the leader of our life, we're forgiven for our violation of sin against Holy Creator God that keeps us separated from him in this life and the next. We enter into a saving relationship with Jesus, and we become part of this amazing thing that Jesus established called the church. We've discovered over the last few weeks that the writers of the New Testament refer to the church as the body of Christ because Jesus established his church to be his hands and feet to carry on the mission that he came for, that he died for, that he rose from the grave for. Jesus established his church to be the physical embodiment of himself in the world until he physically returns. Just like every other local church, this means that relevant community church is the body of Christ. For every follower of Christ, for every one of you who say that you put your faith in Jesus, who says that this is your church, it means that we together are the body of Christ here and now, and you are a member of this local body of Christ. Some of us are arms, some of us are feet, some of us are hands, some of us are legs, some of us are necks. As the body of Christ, Jesus has called us together to carry on his mission. He's called us, to, he has some God-sized visions for us. Jesus wants to do a transforming work both in us and through us. Jesus wants, to, uh, Jesus wants us to embody and experience the fullness of his presence and his power together. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the thing that most dying churches, churches that are kind of on a downward trajectory, that are seemingly void of God's presence, just they're dying. Churches that all dying churches have in common is that they're living half paralyzed. It's like half of the, half of the body is functioning and, and alive, and the other half of the body is just like dead and paralyzed. And just like with our physical bodies, when this happens in the body of Christ, the whole body begins to die. The whole body begins to deteriorate. What all this means is in order for us, in order for Relevant Community Church to see and experience all that God has for us going forward, we have to honestly answer the question, are we, Relevant Community Church, are we living as a half-paralyzed or fully functioning body of Christ? Now, we have an amazing church, but like most churches, we definitely have some work to do here. I believe in order to become the church Jesus has created us to be, to, to continue to progress toward being the, the type of church we all desire to be a part of, will require one thing from all of us. It will require every one of us taking extreme ownership. And how I'm defining extreme ownership in this series is, is taking full responsibility for everything that impacts us living as a fully functioning body of Christ. Everything that impacts our health, Jesus' mission through us, the visions God's laid in our heart, our effectiveness, God's being glorified through us, us, us being Jesus' hands and feet in the world, people being reached for Jesus through us, people being transformed to everything God's created us to be, everything that impacts us embodying Jesus' presence and power. I'm more convinced now than ever before that it, it takes extreme ownership from everybody to live as the body of Christ. It takes extreme ownership from everybody to live as the body of Christ. 
So what I've been doing over the last few weeks is challenging all of us to take extreme ownership in five specific ways. And thus far, I've covered four of those. I've challenged all of us to take extreme ownership of operating as a fully functioning member of the body of Christ by serving on a team. I've challenged all of us to take extreme ownership of the financial health of our body by giving generously. Uh, a few weeks ago, I challenged all of us to take extreme ownership of growing in, our, in, in, in your relationship with Jesus. And then last week, I talked about taking extreme ownership of the health of we by creating unity, by caring for, and by pursuing Jesus with a smaller community of people within our body. Middle school students, that's a rooted small group. High school students, that's a youth united small group. College students and adults, we call those T-Life groups. Today, I'm wrapping up this series by giving you the fifth challenge. But just to let you know... I originally was going to plan, originally was going to give an entirely different message. I, as I started planning the sermon this week, I felt very strongly I was supposed to change the challenge that I was going to give, that I was supposed to give. Because, by the way, when we, I started planning this series months and months ago, and I, and I had like eight or nine different things I could have challenged us with, but I only had room for a five-week series, and so I had to narrow them down to five things. And the, the original focus of this last week of this series is I was going to challenge all of us to take extreme ownership of reaching people for Jesus. And the reason that that was going to be the wrap-up of the series is because Jesus himself said the entire reason that our Heavenly Father sent him was to seek and save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. That's you, that's me, that's every single person. Jesus came to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with our Heavenly Father and to transform us into everything he's created us to be. That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. That's what Jesus rose from the grave for. And then before Jesus left, he called his church to be his body and carry on that mission, to be his hands and feet and carry on them his mission of seeking and saving the lost, which means our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership of being relentless about reaching people for Jesus in order for us to live as the body of Christ. I could talk about that all day. I preach on that so many times. I'm going to continue to preach on that so many times. And is the, is the thing I'm most passionate about in the world because that is what Jesus has called us to at his, as his church. So, you know, in order for me not to talk about that, I had to have a pretty strong conviction, pretty strong feeling from the Holy Spirit that I needed to change the focus. And I did. And here's what I felt like I was supposed to challenge us all with to take extreme ownership as we wrap up this series. I felt like I was supposed to challenge all of us to take extreme ownership of the faith of the next generation. Now, the reason I felt like I was supposed to change this this week is because two numbers and one conviction kept coming to my mind earlier in this week. The first number is the number 93. 93% of every person who puts their faith in Jesus does so before the age of 18. Which means if we're going to carry on Jesus' mission of being his hands and feet in the world to reach people who don't know him, if we're going to carry on Jesus' mission of seeking and saving the lost, we must be relentless about doing that with the next generation because 93% of every single person who ends up putting their faith in Jesus does so before the age of of 18. That's crazy. The second number that kept coming to my, my mind is the number 35. 35% of our church body is under 18 years old. Kids and students under 18 who have put their faith in Jesus are members of the body of Christ, are members of this body of Christ as much as the adults who have put your faith in Jesus. Which means we can't live as a fully functioning body of Christ if we neglect 35% of our church body. 
We can't live as a fully functioning body of Christ if we're not fanatics about inspiring and empowering 35% of our church body to follow Jesus. So those two numbers kept coming to my mind. And here's the conviction that kept coming to my mind earlier in this week. The faith of the next generation is worth everything. In the first week of the series, I shared the story about how I fell in love with the local church and why and how I started Relevant 13 years ago. Happy birthday again, by the way. However, Relevant's story actually started years before that. In my early 20s, I became so convicted that the faith of the next generation is worth everything that I went to Bible college to major in youth ministry. I thought I would do youth ministry forever, but that all changed in 2006. In 2006, I was working as a youth pastor in Birmingham, Alabama that was reaching hundreds of students every single week. But these students didn't care about the church and they didn't want to be a part of it. And, and after, year after year, I watched hundreds of, of, of high school students that I worked with graduate high school and disengage from the church and disengage from following Jesus. And I just couldn't watch it anymore. I knew I needed to do something to help create a church that the next generation loved to be a part of because the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And it was because of that conviction that I felt God was calling me to be a pastor and start a church. Since that time... I have been a fanatic about doing everything I can to create and lead a church that reaches the next generation for Jesus and inspires and empowers them to follow Jesus because the faith of the next generation is worth everything. The reason I've always been convicted of this is because the faith of the next generation, it's always been a really big deal to God. I want to quickly show that by looking at a passage in Deuteronomy 6. Now, I actually pe- preached on this passage not too long ago when we were doing our parenting, our parenting with the End in Mind series. But this passage is so important, not just for parents. This passage is so important for us, all of us, as the, as the church, as the body of Christ. And then before I jump into this passage, you need to know that the events of Deuteronomy happened over a thousand years before the life of Jesus. However, hundreds of years before Deuteronomy was ever written... As part of God's redemptive plan for humanity, God chose to bless the entire world through the Hebrew people, who became known as the Israelites, who eventually became known as the Jews. 2,000 years before Jesus ever walked the face of this earth, God promised the Hebrew people that he would be their God and he would be their uh, that they would, he would be their God and they would be his people. And part of that promise is that, was that he would give them their own land, referred to as the promised land. The problem was that for 400 years, the Israelites found themselves as slaves in Egypt. Finally, after 400 years of being slaves, God sent a man named Moses to deliver them from slavery in Egypt and lead them to the promised land. Well, after Moses led them out of of Egypt through a series of what can only be described as supernatural events, God gave the Israelites about 600 plus laws and commands for how to live as his chosen people. This is known as the Mosaic Law. And if you were to narrow down what God was trying to communicate through the Mosaic Law, through all these laws and commands, it is this. Trust and obey. Trust me and obey me. Trust and obey. And it came with a promise. If you trust me and obey me, I will bless you. I will bless you in such a way you will know that I am the one true God. And I will bless you in such a way the rest of the world will know that you are the one true God's chosen people. But it also came with a consequence. If you don't trust and obey, I will discipline you severely. Now, 
Their faith, it started off strong, but didn't take long for them not to trust and obey. So instead of taking them immediately to the promised land, God led them to the nastiest, worst place on earth, the desert. Every day, they didn't know how they, what they would eat, what they would drink, how they would survive. They were utterly helpless and utterly dependent on God for everything, which was the whole point of God leading them there. God led them to the desert and he kept them there for 40 years to teach them to trust him alone. To teach them that he could be trusted to provide for their every need and he would if they just obeyed him. After 40 years in the desert, they learned to trust and obey. After 40 years in the desert, they developed unwavering faith in God. And now they were finally ready to enter the promised land. However, before they did, Moses gathered everyone together to remind them of a few things. Deuteronomy is essentially the speech that Moses gave the Israelite people. Moses began by recounting their journey and reminding them of the covenants they had made with God. And then in chapter chapter 6, Moses abruptly switched his focus and addressed how they would need to become intent about transferring their faith to the next generation. He knew too much was at stake to let this fall by the wayside. So it was one of the first things he addressed. And here's what he said. Hear, which means listen and don't forget. Hear, O Israel. It's really easy to assume that because the language, all the language about children that follows, that Moses was just talking to parents. But Moses was speaking to all of Israel. He was talking to every parent and everyone else in the community. And the same is true for us today. As the body of Christ, we are all responsible for the faith of the next generation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's saying everything I have said and everything I will say hinges on this one essential truth, that our God is God. And my faith and our faith and your faith and the next generation's faith is what's most important. And because of that, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. By the way, this statement to all of Israel is so important when it comes to the faith of the next generation. I'm going to come back to that here in just a little bit. But he goes on. Impress, which means diligently train, teach, lead toward, impress them. Meaning the commandments that God gave them. Impress them on your children. Impress them on the next generation. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And Moses is saying, put the Lord your God front and center every day in every way. Completely surround the next generation with his ways and his truths and his promises and his commandments. And he goes on, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you. A land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, he's basically saying, in the future when you're enjoying everything God has given you in the promised land and you get comfortable, don't become complacent. Instead, be careful that you do not Forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
Moses was determined to ensure the next generation had a faith as practical and dynamic as the current generation did. But he seems to be making the point that it really doesn't matter what the next generation knows if they don't know what's, if the next generation doesn't know what's most important. So Moses goes, don't forget. Don't become complacent and forget what's most important for the next generation. Listen, over time, it's easy to start thinking the most important thing for the next generation is houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells, vineyards. And that's what was relevant for them. But what about us? Playing on that team, attending that particular college, having a successful career, making great money, living in a certain type of neighborhood, being happy. And our pursuit to make, uh, of making those things what's most important for the next generation, we can threaten what will make the next generation truly come alive. We can settle for something far less significant than what God has for them. We can sacrifice their faith in God. All those things may be of some importance, but those are not what is most important. Moses knew what was most important to God was my and our and your and the next generation's faith in him. Moses knew that wouldn't be what was automatically what's most important to the next generation. you got to know, it took 40 years, 40 years in the desert for these people that Moses was addressing to develop the faith they had. And he knew that that wasn't just going to automatically happen with the next generation. So before they enter the promised land, he takes a moment to speak to everyone. He says, Become fanatics about transferring your faith to the next generation because the next generation being my people and the next generation of Israelites, me being their God, is at stake. As you can see, the faith of the next generation has always been a really big deal to God and it must be for us too. If you're new to Relevant, you need to know something about us as a church. At Relevant Community Church, we are fanatics about impacting the faith of the next generation. We're fanatics about reaching kids and students who don't know Jesus, inspiring and empowering them to follow Jesus so that they're transformed by Jesus into everything that God's created them to be. We care more about this than anything else. It's what we want to be known for. It's what we want to be most successful at as a church. We are fanatics about it. And we're fanatics about it because the mission that Jesus came for, died for, and rose from the grave for is at stake. I said a second ago, Jesus himself said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And before he physically left, he called his church to be his body, his hands and feet, and carry on that mission. you got to remember, 93% of every single person who puts their faith in Jesus does so before the age of 18. Which is why what we do now to reach kids and students for Jesus is way more important than what we try to do to reach adults for Jesus. We're fanatics about it. We're fanatics about it because the future of our church is at stake. I mean, in order for us, in order for Relevant to see and experience all that God has for us in the future, we can't live as a half-paralyzed body. We have to live as a fully functioning body of Christ. That requires 100% of us. Remember, 35% of us 35% of our church body are under 18 years old. We can't live as a fully functioning body of Christ if we don't treat 35% of our body like the body of Christ. If 35% of our body is not operating 
as the body of Christ. If we're not fanatics about inspiring and empowering 35% of our church body to follow Jesus. So we're fanatics about it. We're fanatics about it because the next generation's faith is at stake. Right, Mitch? The next generation's, sit up. The next generation's faith is at stake. We are stewards of the faith of the next generation. We are stewards of the faith of the next generation. Whatever faith they develop now is going to be carried over into adulthood. If they develop a faith now that is weak and shallow and immature and irrelevant, they will carry that over into adulthood. If they develop a faith based on a certain set of beliefs instead of actively following Jesus, they're going to carry that into adulthood. The faith they develop now better be able to manage the rigors of adulthood because if they can't, if it won't, they'll likely leave the faith. Faith. Or worse, they'll develop a version of faith that isn't moving them toward following Jesus, thus will prevent them from being transformed by Jesus into everything God's created them to be. Listen, we are responsible for the version of faith and the perception of church that the next generation takes into the next season of their lives. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to help create a love for Jesus and a love for the local church within them. So we're fanatics about it. We're fanatics about it because, at least according to God, the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And there's something in all of us that knows it. When we hear stories of young people putting their faith in Jesus... When we hear stories of young people getting baptized. When we hear stories of young people taking next steps to follow Jesus. When we hear stories of young people impacting their friends for Jesus. It's something in all of our hearts stirs and we go, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Something in us goes, yeah, that's the way that God intends it. That's what we should be celebrating more than anything else. I mean, our hearts come alive when we see young people's lives and eternities being transformed more than when we see it happen in 50-year-olds. Not because it's not important in 50-year-olds, because there's something in us when we see it happen in young people. We know the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When we hear that there were 340 kids at Summer Blast and 41 of them put their faith in Jesus, something in our hearts come alive and goes, that's what God intends. That's the way God wants. When we hear that there were 100 middle school and high school students on our um, rooted in YU summer camps this summer and 23 of them put their faith in Jesus and 6 of them were baptized, something within us wells up and celebrates and goes, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's God's heart right there. When we hear there were 215 middle school students that root his back to school bashed this last week, we're like, yeah, that right there, that's worth celebrating. When we hear that next month, next month, just in a few weeks from now, there's going to be 25 kids who proclaim their faith in Jesus by getting baptized next month. There's something in us that wells up and go, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the heart of God right there. That's the most important thing right there. But then when we hear their names and we see their faces, something in our heart stirs and we're reminded that the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When we saw Georgie get baptized by Natalie, her small group leader, after she Natalie invested in her for five years, we're reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When Ashley was leading her son Caleb to Jesus, we were reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When we saw middle school and high school students leading over 300 kids in worship, we're reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When you see Jacob, one of our high school students, leading a small group of kids and relevant kids, we're reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. When we know that Hadley put her faith in Jesus at Summer Blast, we're reminded the faith of the next generation is 
worth everything. We saw Grace baptize Margaret in the ocean last month at YU camp. You're reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And we see Nate, one of our rooted small group leaders, praying with Harrison and Braden and AJ. You're reminded the faith of the next generation is worth everything. We saw Johanna and Amaya stand up to proclaim their decision to put their faith in Jesus. We're reminded that the faith of the next generation is worth everything. What's the faith of Grace and Reese Rothy worth? To me, it's worth everything. What's the faith of Paige Reasoner worth? Well, to her parents and to many of us, it was worth everything. What's the, what's, what's the faith of your niece and your grandson and your daughter worth? To you and to the rest of us, it's worth everything. What's the faith of these students sitting up here, of Noah and Jimmy? What is it worth to their parents and to us? It's worth everything. Relevant Community Church is the body of Christ. And every follower of Christ, every one of you who have put your faith in Jesus, who says that Relevant is your church, you are a member of this body. Our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership of the faith of the next generation in order for us to live as the body of Christ. Our body needs everybody, every single person, married person, divorced person, person with kids, people with person without kids, wealthy person, middle class person, <clears throat> you know, college person, retired person, middle school student, high school student, everybody needs everybody to take extreme ownership because the faith of the next generation is worth everything. So relevant, let's take extreme ownership. What I want to do is I want to close by giving a few practical ways we can all do that. Middle school and high school students in the room, let me just tell you what. This is for you too. You are equally as responsible for this because you are a part of this body. You are not, a, you are not here to be a consumer. You're here to be a contributor if you're a follower of Christ as a part of the body of Christ. And here's the deal. We can't impact the next generation without the next generation. You know how the next generation is impacted? By the next generation. So you are as equally as responsible for all of this as us old people. So here's the first way I just want to challenge us all to take extreme ownership of this. And this is what I talked about the second week of this series. It's to give generously. It takes an enormous amount of money to create environments and events and camps that reach kids and students for Jesus and empowers and inspires them to follow Jesus. It takes an enormous amount of money to create and train effective small group leaders and communicators. It takes an enormous amount of money to provide tools and resources for parents, for students struggling with mental health issues, for kids trying to navigate through the divorce of their parents. It takes an enormous amount of money to provide environments where students can feel safe and love. It takes an enormous amount of money to have the paid staff to lead all this. Just so you know, we have 21 people on paid staff. Eight of them uh, uh, work in our next gen department. That means 38% of our staff works in the next gen department. You know why? Because 35% of our church is the next generation. So we, that's where we invest the most of our money. Bottom line, there is no next gen ministries to reach and impact the next generation without all of us giving generously. Doesn't happen. The faith in next generation, it's worth everything. So take extreme ownership and give generously. Secondly, sacrifice your preferences. I mean, we all have preferences. 
style of music we like, how long we want to sing, pre- the preaching style, how loud it is, what we'd like the relevant center to be used for, how money is spent, events we like more of or less of, what you'd like me to address more of or less of. And here's the deal, you got to know this. We can't make the mistake of sacrificing the next generation's faith on the altar of our preferences. Let me say that again because it's pretty important. We can't make the mistake of sacrificing the next generation's faith on the altar of our preferences. And since the faith of the next generation, well, it's worth everything, it's worth sacrificing our preferences for whatever will be most beneficial for them. To be fanatics about impacting the faith of the next generation, we have to be okay with our Sunday gathers not being centered around what we prefer. All with the kind of music and the style of music and the length of music and preaching and all all what we prefer. We have to be okay with our our next-gen ministries having priority in this building and how this building is used. We have to be okay with having less events for ourselves. Talk about that forever. We don't need more potlucks, adults. <laughs> the faith of the next generation is worth everything, so don't make it about you. Take extreme ownership and make it about them by sacrificing your preferences. Third, prioritize growing in your relationship with Jesus. Right before Moses instructed the Israelites what they should do to impact the faith of the next generation. He said something of significant importance first. Remember this? He said, love the Lord your God with all whose heart? Your heart. And with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Moses was explaining that it, has to, that it had to be in them before they could expect it to be in the next generation. If we want to lead the next generation toward Jesus, we must prioritize making faith personal in our lives first. Your relationship and my relationship with Jesus will impact the faith of the next generation more than you or I could possibly ever know. If you want it to be in them, it needs to be in us first. We have to prioritize our faith in such a way that we can say to the next generation what Paul said to the, to the church in Corinth. Follow my example. As I follow the example of Christ. Imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. We have to be able to say that. When it comes to faith, when it comes to what it looks like to follow Jesus, the next generation is watching you. They're watching me. Let me say it again. When it comes to faith, when it comes to what it looks like to follow Jesus, the next generation is watching you and 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 me. High school students, middle school students, students younger than you are watching you. If you have a younger sibling, they're watching you. Whatever we want the next generation to become, we should probably strive to become first. If we want them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, then we better love him with all of our hearts and with all of our souls and with all of our strengths first. To remove any doubt in them that we believe what we're inviting them to believe, we need to lead the way by shifting our emphasis from just believing in Jesus to actually following Jesus. Listen, just believing in Jesus, it makes faith a reference point and allows us to follow whatever the heck we want to follow. 
We are followers of Christ, which involves actively and actually following him. And following Jesus changes every aspect of our lives. It changes how we treat people. It changes what we value. It changes how we spend our time. It changes how we give. It changes what's most important to us. It changes how we love people. By the way, if you don't love others the way Jesus first loved you, if you choose not to forgive others the way Jesus first forgave you, if you choose not to give the same grace to others that you have, the same grace you've accepted, the same mercy to others that you've accepted from Jesus, you're not following Jesus. You may show up on Sunday mornings and give a boatload of money and serve in different ways, but if you don't follow Jesus' one new covenant command, you are not following him. You're just believing in him. Following Jesus is what makes all the difference. Following Jesus is observable and reproducible. Following Jesus is how we're transformed more into who God's created us to be and how they will be too. If the next gen sees, next generation sees, you know, us saying we believe in Jesus but not actively following Jesus, we'll create a version of faith for them that Jesus never intended for them to have. A version of faith that is worthless. The next generation has a front row seat to our lives, a front row seat to your life, a front row seat to my life. The question is, what are they watching? Will they see the type of faith in you that you and your heavenly father wants them to have? If we want the next generation to have it in them, they need to see it in us first. The faith of the next generation is worth everything. So take extreme ownership and prioritize growing in your relationship with Jesus. And listen, middle school students and high school students... When it comes to prioritizing your relationship with Jesus, I want to say one more thing to you. And it was the same thing that Moses said to the Israelites. He said, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. <laughs> Don't forget. Don't forget the most important thing to God, the most important thing to God for you is not you playing on that team. Is not you having a high ACT score. Is not you taking all those honors classes? Is not you attending a particular college, even though you're being told that every single day by your parents and your teachers and your friends and everybody else? I don't care how mad your parents are at me right now. What's most important to God for you and what's most transformational for you is growing in your relationship with Jesus. Above all of that crap. Which is why I'm always challenging you and, and encouraging you to, to make Rooted and Youth United priorities so you're exposed to practical biblical teaching and engage in a small group where you can help others take next steps to follow Jesus and they can help you. So these first three ways, this is for all of us. This, this next way, this is just for some of us. This is just the way some of us need to take extreme ownership. Serve the next generation. For some this is how Jesus is calling you to operate as a part of this body. For some, this is what should be your primary ministries. Studies show that by the time a person is 18, they have had six, six influential voices in their lives other than their parents that have shaped them into who they are. That's why at Relevant, we are committed to try and get every child and every teenager into a small group with a small group leader who is a fanatic about their faith, who can inspire and empower them to follow Jesus, who will love them, who will provide a safe place for them to share their lives, and who will simply just be there for them. And that can't happen without many of us serving in the next gen. Serving the next gen. And here's the reality. This is, you just got to know this. 60% of, all, of our small group leaders in Rooted, 
and relevant kids and sprouts, 60% of our small group leaders in those three ministries are middle school and high school students. 60%. Which middle school, high school students, those of you who are serving down, you're freaking rock stars. Like I'm so proud of you. Like God is using you to impact the faith of the next generation. He's using you. So those of you middle school, high school students who aren't serving down, I encourage you to do this, man, because God wants to use you. You're responsible for this. It's stinking awesome. Guys, this is so awesome. 60% 60% of our, of, our, of our small group leaders and rooted relevant kids and sprouts are middle school and high school students. That's awesome, but it's too lopsided. That's too lopsided. Because what it means is if students weren't serving down in those ministries, those, those ministries wouldn't exist. That's what it means. We're just forking it off on the young people. Adults, we need you to step up and invest in the faith of the next generation, specifically by serving as a small group. Not all of you. Not all of you should do this. But some of you should. Our ministries are growing, but we don't have enough adults to serve as small group leaders. The small group leaders we have, they're like, hey, dude, like, man, they give a lot. They can't just keep taking on more. They can't invest in all those two. I mean, right now, without adding one more kid or student, Sprouts needs 20 or 30 more adult leaders right now. Right now. Relevant Kids needs 10 more small group leaders right now without reaching one more kid. Rooted needs 10 more small group leaders right now. Youth United needs six more small group leaders, specifically women, right now, not even reaching one more student. The faith in the next generation is worth everything, so for some, you need to take extreme ownership and serve the next gen. Listen, this afternoon, you have a great opportunity to step into that. Come to Team Link. Find more, out more about this. You can sign up online. If you're in the room, go to the next steps area, sign up there, or just simply show up. Okay, I'm over on time, but I've got to do this last one. This last one, hey, this is just for middle school and high school students, and I've got to go through this fast. I could talk about this all day. Here Here's how we need you to take extreme ownership. you got to invest and invite. Right? Relationally invest in your friends who don't know Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus through your words and actions, then inviting them. Inviting them into, you know, your small group, into Rooted, into Youth United, into the Sunday gathering, into those events that you have. Do, you got to do Take extreme ownership in this, not only because this is how you follow Jesus, live as a body of Christ, not only because this is how your friends are reached. By the way, Devin can't reach your friends. Coleman can't reach your friends. Meg can't reach your friends. David can't reach your friends. I can't reach your, your friends. The next generation is who reaches the next generation. So take extreme ownership of this, not only because God wants to do a transform work in you in this. I want to challenge you to take extreme ownership of this because what it means for us as a church. I'm going to be really, hey, young people, I'm going to be really honest with you just so you guys know. Mitch, you listening? I'm going to be really honest with you here. He's my nephew, so I get to pick on Mitch all the time. I'm going to be really honest with you. My whole goal, you old people, please don't listen real fast. You'll get so mad at this and you'll leave relevant and then that creates all kinds of weirdness. So just shut off just real fast. I want you to know my whole goal as a pastor is to create a church and lead a church that my two girls love to be a part of. And I want you to know that's my goal with you, that to create a church that you love to be a part of as well. I can't do that and lead in that way if this church is not full of the next generation. Because let me tell you what was going to happen. If it's not, if you guys aren't inviting, it's not full of the next generation, what's going to happen is all these old people, they all have all these things they want to see happen. 
and they pull me and they talk to me and they think because they give a lot of money they can change me and all of that stuff. And so if you guys don't continue to invest and invite, what's going to happen is this church is just going to be church full of old people and we're going to die and that's just going to suck. All right? So if we want to stay a church that you love to be a part of, you got to invest and invite. Otherwise, these old people, they just do this to me all day. Old people, you guys can tune back in now just so you guys know. All right. Now, here is... Here's the fun, really the question for all of us here. How is Jesus calling you to take extreme ownership of the faith in next generation? Because if you're part of relevant, he's calling you in some way. So whatever he's calling you to, just do it. Do it because the faith of the next generation is worth everything. All right, to close, here's the five specific ways I challenged all of us to take extreme ownership. I believe. If we all took extreme ownership in these five ways, we'd see God work powerfully in ways we can't even begin to imagine. We'd see the visions he's laid on our heart become a reality. We'd see God transform our lives, our friend lives, our family lives, our neighborhood, our neighbors, our community, the faith of the next generation in ways we can't be able to comprehend. We'd experience the fullness of God's presence and power like never before. And that's the type of church we'd all love to be a part of. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I don't know exactly why you had me change this. I did it. I hope you use it. Um, I hope we just become a church that <laughs> helps change many, many young people's lives and eternities. I hope that that remains our focus. Uh, we don't let anything else become our focus over that. I pray that we operate as a fully functioning body of Christ to see that happen. Because ultimately, I pray that you're glorified and we live out who you want us to be. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.